The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Chris Chavez here with a new series this week in creepy history. This is kind of the debut episode. If you listen to the episode of that side where we kind of, you know, hinted and gave you a teaser of, of what was coming, uh, you kind of know what you're in for. If you didn't, this is an all new series. It's just going to be me coming at you weekly. And basically I'm going to give you what's coming up uh, in your upcoming week. What happened in history? Um, just like I did on that Zod episode, the you know I'm going to give you a couple of pieces each day. So for each day coming up, I'm going to tell you uh, something that kind of fits the history creeps mold, something that's kind of disturbing, something dark, something paranormal, something unsolved, something that happened on that day that fits that kind of feel. And to kind of counteract it so that it's not always down, because I don't want it to all be murder and death and doom and gloom, I'm going to give you another thing that kind of happened in history on the same day, but on a lighter fare, right? So the last one was kind of, you know, all different kinds of facts and things that 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 uh, happened on those days. Moving forward, I might have certain themes. This episode's definitely going to have a theme on the lighter fare. You guys will get a feel for it as we continue through the episode. So let's do it. Let's just jump right into the episode. This week in creepy history, we're starting with April 11th. April 11th, 1953, as a matter of fact. Over 1,000 inmates were involved in a major riot that caused serious damage at Stillwater Prison in Minnesota. Inmates were protesting prison conditions and rules. They started fires, smashed windows, and shouted profanities at guards. So let me just kind of say this about that. So when they started this riot, they started the riot locked in their cells. So you heard right. So what had happened was that these these a number of these prisoners had taken a lot of their grievances to the board and, and said, you know, we want a lot of these things changed, these conditions that we're in in the prison. We need these changed. It's not okay to treat people this way. Um, and so there was negotiations going on, and the negotiations ended up stalling and then kind of fizzling out, and the, the prisoners are not happy about that. So they were planning on staging uh, you know, a, a demonstration during, I believe it was like a breakfast or a lunch, and it had caught, you know, the guards caught wind. So instead of allowing them to go out to the mess hall for that, you know, their meal, they made them all stay in their cells and this pissed them all off. So they ended up, you know, going nuts, breaking windows. They would light, you know, pieces of paper and, and cloth on fire in their cells and throw them out into the halls and the walkways. Um, that's why you didn't see anybody, you know, any guards being attacked. You know, the only things being really kind of hurled their way while they're out of range of the physical objects was profanities. So yes, April 11th, 1953, there was a major riot that caused serious damage at Stillwater Prison in Minnesota. Also on April 11th, but in the year 1961, folk singer Bob Dylan performs in New York City for the first time as the opening act for John Lee Hooker. So I'm a huge music fan. Anybody that knows me knows music is literally my religion. 
So anytime I'm talking music, I get excited. Anytime I see music facts, I'm like, sweet, let's look at this. Let's talk about it. So April 11th, 61, Bob Dylan performs for uh, as an opening act for John Lee Hooker. See, what happened was soon after he arrived in New York City from Minnesota, uh, Dylan began performing in Greenwich Village at places like Cafe Wa and the Gaslight Cafe. Um, he also took part in what was known as the Monday Hootenanny Nights at Gertie's Folk City, one of New York City's uh, top folk clubs. Audience reactions and encouragement by friends persuaded Gertie's owner, Mike Porco, to hire Dylan to open for John Lee Hooker for a two-week engagement that began on this day in 1961. So there's a little piece of music trivia, music history for you, and uh, there you go, folks. That's going to be our theme for the rest of this episode. That little light fair, that little piece of, of history that's going to be on the lighter side, it's all going to be music-themed. Let's move on. Next day, April 12th, 1941. A UFO allegedly crashes in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, a good six years before the famous Roswell incident. So History Creeps fans, if you're a fan of History Creeps, you know the Roswell incident. You know all about the weather balloon and the dummies that were found, right? They were not aliens. It wasn't a saucer. Um, But this happened in 1941, okay? April 12th, 1941. Um, in Missouri. So I found a news article online that was discussing this about the, during the 75th anniversary. I'm going to go ahead and read that for you. This comes off of KFVS 12, um, 75th anniversary of alleged UFO crash in Cape Girardeau. So here you go. April 12th, and this was back on 2016. So back in 2016, it was the 75th anniversary of the alleged Cape Girardeau UFO crash of 1941. Um, Researcher Michael Huntington said that the story dates back to 1941 when a reverend was called to what he thought was a plane crash to read the last rites of the passengers. Quote, The Reverend William Huffman, who was the minister there, was called by the local sheriff to come assist in delivering some sort of last rites at a plane crash. That's what the Reverend was under the impression that he was going to do. A car arrived at his house, which was nearby, and they drove about 18 miles or so outside of Cape Girardeau, closer to the Chaffee area. When they showed up on the scene, it was not a plane crash. It was, allegedly, a flying saucer. A classic silver round disc that had crashed and had started a fire. There were police and fire there to take care of the scene and put out the fire on the local farmer's field. The reverend arrived and saw a classic flying disc with the part of the side ripped open and two alien bodies that were at least dead, and one that may have been dying, may have been alive, couldn't breathe. Who knows? The reverend looked inside of the flying saucer and saw wires and components of some sort of alien design. There were strange hieroglyphs, uh, hieroglyphics and bizarre knobs and dials. The Reverend knew that he couldn't really give the last rites. About that time, the Army Air Corps arrived from Siskiton. Uh, sorry. About that time, the Army Air Corps arrived from Sikistan Field and cordoned off the area and swore everybody to secrecy and confiscated any pictures. There were pictures allegedly taken that night of men holding one of the alien bodies, and somewhere out there are those pictures. So it became part of a legend. It's Cape. Girardeau's urban legend, Huntington finishes saying. So this is an interesting thing, right? Like, this is five years before, uh, five years, six years before the big crash, right? The, the 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 main Roswell incident, and they said this happened there, and it's the same thing: the 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 crash, the bodies, the the military shows up. 
So if this is kind of part of their history and people under know this, right? Um, then how is it not more known than the Roswell one? Because I got to be honest with you, I think maybe I'm half knowing this story. It sounds familiar, but I don't know if this is the one that we discussed on History Creeps. I'll have to check in with the guys. Um, let me know what you guys think. Anyway, there you go. April 12th, 1941, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. We have a UFO that allegedly crashes six years before Roswell incident. Let's go on to the music fact for this day in history. April 12th, 1954, Bill Haley and his Comets records Rock Around the Clock, written by Max C. Friedman and James E. Myers. Uh, love this song. I, this this just comes back, comes to memory from when I was growing up, you know, watching old TV shows uh, like the one I'm about to mention here. So in 1974, the original version of the song returned to the American charts when it was used as the theme for the movie American Graffiti. And a re-recorded version by Haley was used as the opening theme for the TV series Happy Days during its first two seasons. I loved Happy Days when I was a kid. I was a huge fan of Fonzie. Thought he was the coolest dude in the world. Um, you know, thought Richie was such a cool guy. I just, I don't know. I loved Happy Days. And, you know, being young, I didn't realize it was something that was filmed to look like the 50s. You know, it, I thought it was actually the 50s uh, when I was watching. It wasn't until I was older that I realized, oh, this was like a 60s show filmed or a 70s show filmed to look like the 50s. Uh, but yeah, good times, man. Bill Haley and the Comets singing Rock Around the Clock. Let's move on. April 13th, 1999. Jack Kevorkian is sentenced to 10 to 15, uh, sorry, 10 to 25 years in prison for the second degree murder of Thomas Yoke, 52 who was in the final stages of ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. The assisted suicide in 1998 was videotaped and shown on the November 23rd, 1998 broadcast of 60 Minutes. Kevorkian served eight years of the prison sentence for second-degree murder and was released on June 1st, 2007 on parole for good behavior. I remember uh, being younger and hearing about Jack Kevorkian, Dr. Kevorkian, Dr. Death, right? This dude that was helping people that wanted to die, die, and how controversial that was. But I remember thinking to myself, like, why is that a big deal? Like, if these people want to go, and they want to go on their own, and they want to go with dignity, and they, you know, they don't want to suffer, and this person's helping them do it in a safe, humane way, and they're not blowing their brains out, or they're not overdosing on pills, or maybe not, like, you know, you know, they're that they're not succeeding and maybe messing up, right? Like, this person's helping them do it in a peaceful kind of transitional way, what was wrong with it? It's still kind of a controversial, you know, topic, uh, even today, but yeah, April 13th, 1999, he was sentenced to prison, uh, for second degree murder. Now, April 13th, 1965, the Beatles record the song help during an evening recording session at Abbey road in London. The song was written by John Lennon with some help from Paul McCartney. According to good old Wikipedia, Quote, during an interview with Playboy magazine in 1980, John Lennon recounted, The whole Beatles thing was just beyond comprehension. I was subconsciously crying out for help. That was, that was terrible. But I'm going to keep doing them. I like doing my, my, uh, my impressions. You know that, Creepers. You know what that's about. Let's keep going. The song was ranked at number 29 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Dude, I'm a huge Beatles fan. Uh, my dad listened to the Beatles when I was growing up. So, I mean, I know all their stuff. I know all their albums. I know their music. You know, I'm a huge fan of their music. Uh, and I had a friend, I heard somebody recently say at some point, and I love this quote, 
um, that there are two types of people in the world, right? There's the people who love the Beatles and the people who just don't know they love the Beatles yet. Uh, and I stand by that because, trust me, you can say you don't like the Beatles, but there's a song out there that when you hear it, you're going to be like, man, actually, I like that. That's good. And that's going to open the door. Let's move on. April 14th, 1865. Man, Johnny needs to be here for this one. President Abraham Lincoln is shot in Ford's Theater by John Wilkes Booth. We all know the story. Uh, Lincoln, you know, he uh, he gets he ends up being shot by John Wilkes Booth, ends up dying uh, soon after that. I believe it's the next day on the 15th he ends up dying. Um, you know, it's... Listen, if you if 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 you've ever heard if you've grown up in this country, you know about the, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. What there's not much more I can say on this. You know, I, I to be honest, Johnny's probably going to cover this on an episode of Johnny Knows uh, for Creeper Clubhouse. So um, let's move on. April fourteenth, two thousand thirteen. This one was funny. So I'm looking up music things, you know, that happened in music history. And this one, I was just like, really? This is this is pretty interesting. I don't remember hearing this. April 14th, 2013, a man was arrested, accused of making up a Bjork concert, then selling tickets. Alex Kanate, uh, Kanate, <laughs> Alex Kanate, allegedly sold a, uh, tickets worth $14,000 at $40 each after persuading a San Diego nightclub owner that Bjork had agreed to play there. He was accused of taking the money and moving to Hawaii, where he was arrested. Dude. <laughs> Who, the balls, right? The balls on this guy to not only go through with convincing. Like, how long did it take to... Was this guy, that the club owner, just like, oh, really? I'm in. Like, did it take a lot of convincing? Because this guy tells him Bjork's going to be playing his, his little club, right? This guy doesn't think, let me call agents. Let me call record companies. No. He goes with this. And he says, sure, let's sell tickets. And they they promote it. This guy sells tickets, takes the money. Night comes. Bjork's not there. They go looking for the guy. He's not there. He peaced out. He's in Hawaii. This should be a movie. I'd watch this movie. Let's go on. April 15th, 1912. Again, uh, a, a well-known one here. With her band playing on the deck, the ocean liner Titanic sinks at 2.27 a.m. in the North Atlantic. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie, remove the Winslet DiCaprio love story, and you basically have an idea of how everything went down. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, it's well documented that James Cameron obsessively ensured everything was as close to up-to-the-minute accurate. It's a little unnerving, actually, but seriously fascinating if you watch the movie with that in mind. Anyway, because of a shortage of lifeboats and the lack of satisfactory emergency procedures, more than 1,500 people went down in the sinking ship uh, or froze to death in the icy North Atlantic waters. Most of the 700 or so survivors were women and children. Several notable American and British citizens died in the tragedy, including the noted British journalist William Thomas Steed and heirs to the Strauss, Astor, and Guggenheim fortunes. Yeah. Um, again, this is another one of these kinds of these these footnotes in history that everybody kind of knows, whether you know it in passing, uh, everybody knows about the Titanic being struck by the iceberg and going down that fateful evening in 1912. Let's move on to April 15th, 1996. Millie Vanilli singer Rob Pilatus was sentenced to 90 days in jail and 180 days of drug rehabilitation by a Los Angeles judge after he pled no contest to criminal charges stemming from three separate attacks on people in recent months. 
The singer was in court to answer charges that he beat a man in Hollywood on December 21st, 1995 with the metal base of a lamp. He then attacked a man on January 18th in the Beverly Glen area who accused Pilatus of stealing his watch. And he also attempted to break into a car in Hollywood on February 4th and then attacked the car's owners. So this all comes a mere five years after Millie Vanilli is stripped of their Grammy Awards when it came to light that the duo did not sing a note on their album. It feels like everyone knows Millie Vanilli or you know, you know, if you know the term Millie Vanillying, right, like you're lip syncing, um, it's, 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 it goes hand in hand now, right? That was a big deal back in the day when if everybody found out they didn't sing. It was like, wait, what? Uh so yeah, this, you know, and it's very well documented that they did not have a good career after that. You know, they tried to, I believe they tried to release something where they were, they sang with their own voices and it wasn't good at all. Um, and, you know, one of them started having these issues with drugs and, and the police and, and I believe he ends up killing himself, which is kind of a sad thing. Um, if he didn't, I'm sorry, but I'm almost positive he, he, he does. Uh, but yeah, so this happens April 15th, 96. He, he ends up being sentenced to 90 days in jail and 180 days of drug rehab. All right, let's move on. April 16th, 1943. Swiss chemist Albert Hoffman accidentally doses himself with LSD. Yes. So according to the ever-trusted Wikipedia, while researching lysergic acid derivatives, Hoffman first synthesized LSD on November 16th, 1938. The main intention of the synthesis was to, and here's the science part, obtain a respiratory and circulatory stimulant with no effects on the uterus in analogy to the nicothamide, nicothamide? <laughs> I don't know, by introducing this functional group of lysergic acid. It was set aside for five years until April 16, 1943, when Hoffman decided to re-examine it. While resynthesizing LSD, he accidentally absorbed a small amount of the drug through his fingertips and discovered its powerful effects. He described what he felt as being, quote, now this is his description of what he felt. I'm going to try to do a voice for Albert Hoffman. I can't tell you what he, a Swiss person sounds like, a Swedish accent, Swiss accent. Uh, we'll see. I'm not even going to do Swiss, dude. I'm going to do something different. Here we go are affected by a remarkable restlessness combined with the slight dizziness. At home, I lay down and sank into a not unpleasant, intoxicated-like condition characterized by an extremely stimulated imagination. In a dreamlike state with eyes closed, I found the daylight to be unpleasantly glaring, I perceived an uninterrupted stream of fantastic pictures, extraordinary shapes with intense, kaleidoscopic play of colors. After some two hours, this condition faded away. Three days later, on 19, uh, April 19, 1943, Hoffman intentionally ingested 250 micrograms of LSD. This day is, uh, is now known as Bicycle Day because he began to feel the effects of the drug as he rode home on a bike. This was the first intentional... LSD trip. Hoffman continued to take small doses of LSD throughout much of his life and always hoped to find a use for it. In his memoir, he emphasized it as a, quote, sacred drug. I see the true importance of LSD and the possibility of providing material aid to meditation aimed at the mystical experience of a deeper, comprehensive reality. Interesting stuff here. Who wouldn't want to be in this kind of, what did he say, unpleasant 
not unpleasant, intoxicated like condition characterized by an extremely stimulated imagination, dreamlike state. I mean, it sounds fun and only for a couple hours. Why not? Um, all right. April 16th, 1993, David Lee Roth was arrested in New York's Washington Square Park for allegedly buying $10 bag of marijuana. Dude, the dude got busted for $10 of pot. Uh, this comes from, I'm going to read this for you guys as well. New York daily news. This is in April. I don't know why they wrote this in April, 2016, but they did April, 2016, New York daily news article, David Lee Roth arrested for buying $10 bag of marijuana in 1993. Rocker David Lee Roth was unexpected, was the unexpected headliner of operation double header, a drug sweep of Washington square park after being arrested for buying pot there. Roth 38, hair pulled back under a baseball cap, emerged swaggering but silent from West 10th Street Station after cops gave him a summons for buying a $10 bag of marijuana. Police said Roth bought pot from a dealer in the center of the park about 4.45 p.m. Spotted by an undercover officer, Roth was followed to Minetta Lane and McDouglas Street and arrested there. Roth, formerly of the group Van Halen, told a radio interviewer last year that he had left the group in disgust over band members' drug use. Let that sink in. Over banned members' drug use. Uh, arresting Officer Thomas Kilroy, who has some Roth, who has some Roth records, which is funny. They had to put that in there, right? Like they're interviewing this guy, and they're like, "By the way, are you a fan?" He's like, "You, I got some records at home." Uh, at first, didn't recognize his famous prisoner. "Quote: uh, He had sunglasses on, and I was looking at him. I was like, this guy looks familiar to me." Then we asked what his name was. He's like Roth. And he went, David Lee. Uh, no, no, we went David Lee. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> In their sweep of the park, police arrested 38 people uh, and thirty on that day and 36 the, the previous. Uh, on the same day, Roth was, uh, was busted. About 20 dealers were busted as well, uh, one of whom had been arrested over 100 times since 1987. Yeah, David Lee Roth, man, uh, back in those days, he was fallen from grace. And then that's the thing that got me about it. I was like, I got to read this piece because he, he literally is like raging at a deed, not raging, but he's, he's going off about why he left the band Van Halen. And it's because of the band members' drug use. Uh, and again, you know, like it's just funny because to me, back in those days, they looked at weed as being a drug. So, like, you know, it's, it's funny that he had that, that issue. Obviously, you know, it was a different kind of drug use that they he was referring to, but still. Let's go on. April 17th, 1961. Uh, a group of 1,500 Cuban exiles supported by the U.S. government invaded the Bay of Pigs on the southern coast of Cuba in an attempt to overthrow the government of Fidel Castro. The invasion failed miserably, and by April 21st, all had been killed or captured. One year earlier, the CIA had recommended to Dwight D. Eisenhower to recruit, support, equip, and train Cuban exiles for action against the new government of Fidel Castro. Uh, following the change to the new U.S. President John F. Kennedy in February, uh, he was also advised of the operation that would be a success, so the operation continued. Cuba was tipped off by senior KGB agents, and intelligence forces arrested more than 100,000 Cubans who they suspected would be allies of the expected invading forces ensuring that those forces would be cut off from support. So yeah, this is a big deal. This is kind of a black stain on on, you know, US history, um covert operations, CIA. Like this is a big like 
bungle, man. I remember this being a big deal and not, not that I was there, right? But I remember learning that this was a big deal and not looking so good for uh, President Kennedy. And I remember there was this thing about him distancing himself from it and acting like he didn't know anything about what was going on at the Bay of Pigs. But yeah, April 17th, 1961, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't go down as planned. Also in April 17th, but this time it's 1991, 30 years later, Nirvana appears at the OK Hotel in Seattle where they play a new song, Smells Like Teen Spirit, live for the first time. Uh, other local bands such as Mud Honey, Tad, Mother Love Bone, and Soundgarden all appear at the club, which has now been turned into residential property. Oh, man. Nirvana, dude. The 90s. Seattle. Grunge. Where's the time go, man? I was a huge Nirvana fan when I was a kid. I still am. Uh, but I remember the first time I heard them. Um, you know what, though? That's a story for another day, maybe another podcast. Teaser, teaser, coming soon. Creeper Music Club. Anyway, there you go, Creepers. Your week in creepy history. Um, yeah, this was fun. I'm going to do this weekly. You know, I hope you like it. You know, let me know what you think. Let me know if, if you want me to cover different other themes in terms of the the alternate pieces of history you know music was a fun theme this week i don't know that i'm going to do the same next week uh but you know it, i enjoy doing this i like learning a little bit more about history and uh and, and and things like that as well so uh thanks for listening guys listen we appreciate your support obviously you know you hear us say it every week we really do appreciate it johnny carter you know i, I speak on their behalf and i know i can speak freely saying that you know we're honored to to have a show that that you know, so many people listen to. We we watch our numbers continue to grow month by month by month, and we're I mean we're at staggering numbers now, numbers we didn't think we'd ever see, and it's 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 you know it's mind blowing and it's awesome. And we get messages all the time from people saying how much they enjoy the stuff we do, and and they continue to you know give us that that kind of push to keep going forward. So we appreciate it. You know, we hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, if you are so inclined, head over to the Creeper Clubhouse, patreon.com slash history creeps, you know, check it out, see if they're interested in joining. Uh, if so, there's some cool little perks, some cool little tchotchkes that come your way and you get some free episodes, uh, not free, you pay for them, but you get episodes of series that are absolutely brand new and not available anywhere else. You're not going to find those on the history creeps feed. You're not going to find them anywhere else except at the Creeper Clubhouse. So if you like the stuff we do, you want to hear all kinds of other stuff and, and, and content we're putting out. Go check it out. It's patreon.com slash history creeps. Other than that, creepers, seriously, thanks for coming along on this ride. This was weird. It's the first time I did a show all on my own. I'm not used to just talking by myself. I like to talk. You guys know that. You hear the diatribes I go on. But doing it on my own without any kind of feedback is a weird thing. But I enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to doing more. So uh, thanks so much for listening, and I guess I'll see you guys next creepy week. And until then, stay creepy. Thank you.